All right, we're back on the XF52 podcast. It is Thursday night, January 18th, 2024. My name is Jake Luke. We are presented, as always, by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. And we're here. It's time to go to war. It's time to stand up to the Stroud boys. No one has done it over the past couple of weeks, you know, and somebody had to do it. Somebody had to strap in and put on the camo and they had to go to fucking war. It's time. And it looks like you're you're ready for the funeral after the fact, too. So here we are. Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How are we doing? I couldn't be more fired up. Uh, my skin is crawling already. It's Thursday. It's going to be a long, what is it, 40 hours remaining or so until this game kicks off. I can't imagine the feeling on Saturday. And the Ravens have not made noise in the playoffs in a long time. They made a little bit of noise. What was that, three years ago when they went to Tennessee? and slayed that beast. And this team has, like we've talked about, established so much scar tissue in this Lamar Jackson rookie contract era. And we're past that now. The Ravens are a well-oiled machine. They have talent in all three phases. They have talent at all three levels on both sides of the football. There is no excuse for the Ravens. And I think they feel that the Ravens are locked in. That's what we've heard time and time again. And a guy like Roquan Smith, you bring in, you pay Lamar Jackson a quarter billion dollars. You go make a change at offensive coordinator. And now you have to be locked in. They have a stadium practice this past week. Mark Andrews is questionable for this game and has logged back-to-back full practices. And again, that's the theme of this season to me. I've said it and I'll say it time and time again. If not now, when Patrick Queen, we were able to go do a QA with Justin Matabike at Jimmy Seafood last night. Free agents, Jadevian Clowney is here on a short deal. Both your coordinators are getting interview after interview. So I looked at John Harbaugh first and foremost, and a guy that has gotten a lot of flack for what he hasn't done since Ray Lewis left and Ed Reed left, and the players he inherited were gone. And the decisions that have been made over time and what they've morphed through and into. And it's time for John Harbaugh in the year of the Harbaugh to take back the playoffs. This was a historically great football coach and team in the playoffs. Every year, they were the worst nightmare for whoever they played. It was a terrible matchup. We get Ben Affleck walking out of a bar after they beat the Broncos going anybody but the fucking Ravens. Anybody but the Ravens. Because they could climb Everest. And do it. They were a guide to Everest, if anything. They could beat Tom Brady in New England, no sweat off their back. So I looked to John Harbaugh. I looked to Lamar Jackson. I looked to Roquan Smith. Those are the, the three people I'm looking at that have to lead and have to get this job done. And this Texans team comes in following a massive win over a really good defense. Well, that defense hadn't been great on the road, but the Texans come in hotter than hell. They go take out the Browns 45-14 to and their rookie head coach and rookie quarterback, Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's there. Wipe them out. Wipe them clean. Knock them out of the park. Embarrass them. So their jitters are gone. Do you have jitters? How do you respond? How does this game kick off? I'm fired up. I couldn't be more fired up right now. Dalvin Cook is saying that he will die on this field. I will die in the stands at this game. I will die anywhere right now. I'm fucking 
chomping at the bit. I can't be more excited for this game, for this team, for this matchup, if not now when. Would you say you're jacked? Oh, I'm jacked to the tits. I'm lactating. I am seeping. I am seething. I am apoplectic waiting for this game. It is making my, I, I'm, it, I feel like I might have the flu. I have goosebumps on my entire body every 45 minutes. I'll be, I've been watching tape of the Texans for three fucking days. I have a beautiful breakdown ready for you guys in a little bit. I have goosebumps every 45 minutes. I'm like, do I have the chills? What's going on here? My skin feels like it's melting. You know, Jake, you and I have been doing this now for how many years? This is our fifth year doing this. And this is our second home playoff game that we've gotten to cover and experience and do this. And the first year we did this podcast was the Lamar Jackson experience 2019, the the clean sweep of the NFL, winning 12 straight and assuming that the Ravens would stop Ryan Tannehill and the shitty Tennessee Titans that, you know, managed to go win a game. So you can't take these for granted. This fan base can't take these for granted. I won't take these, this game for granted. I know that you won't either. And I don't think the Baltimore Ravens will. No, I don't think so either. I think it's all very well said. I think uh, the, the term that does come to mind is it's a legacy game. Uh, we talked ad nauseum before the season started about John Harbaugh and about the promising young head coaching prospects that are on this roster right now or the coaching roster anyway. And is it just going to be another one of those years where, you know, they scrap and claw their way to 10 or 11 wins and they go on the road in the playoffs and maybe they can make it to an AFC championship game. And will that be enough? I think a lot of people would say, yeah, make it to an AFC championship game. Then we'll talk. Then that's enough. So they're right on the doorstep and they've given themselves the easiest possible road. Uh, like you said, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, they're looking as good as uh, they have all year. So it's going to be, you know, it'll probably be tough in some ways, but you couldn't have set the table better for yourself to beat those charges of can't win in the playoffs for Lamar Jackson and can't do anything without Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and, you know, Joe Flacco going ape shit in, you know, a, a four game run there with John Harbaugh. So, you know, I'm fired up as well. I'm, uh, I'm nervous and antsy and uh, all of those emotions and everything. And I think it's just going to, just keep building and building and building into just an absolute uh, explosion of enthusiasm and anxiety and just a, a true bonfire of the vanities this Saturday at uh, 430, I believe is what our kickoff is going to be. Saturday at 430, the 11 and 7 Texans will travel to Baltimore. The Texans are 10 and 8 against the spread. They will play the 13 and 4 Ravens who are 11 and 6 against the spread here. The total in this game, 43 and a half, but the Ravens is nine and a half point favorites which moved pretty early on in a pretty big line there. Uh, the Green Bay Packers also nine and a half point underdogs to the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, Vegas. And people, that's the thing about lines. People look at this and say, wow, that's a, wow, what a big line. Wow. Wow. And they say, you know, oh, that's a huge line. But Vegas wants your money. That's not what every, that's not the accuracy. That's not the uh, perfection of what they think the outcome will be. They want you to spend. They want you to say, oh, that's too big for the Texans or, oh, that's not enough for the Niners and give their give you their wagers. That's how they get you. So it started at eight and a half, but then you see movement to nine and a half there. Uh, the Texans come in averaging 66 offensive snaps per game, of which they run the ball 38% of the time. They throw the ball 61% of the time. The Ravens, one play ahead of that, 67 and a half snaps per game, run the ball 42.5% of the time, and throw the ball 57.5% of the time. C.J. Stroud and Lamar Jackson quarterbacking here. You see uh, them with uh, really strong seasons, two of the premier players in the NFL. We look around the AFC as a whole, and Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, C.J. Stroud, and Lamar Jackson. 
those were the four best quarterbacks in the conference this year. So quarterbacks have prevailed on this side of the bracket and the Ravens have an opportunity to get that rookie head coach and that rookie quarterback. The Texans will be without Noah Brown. In addition to tank Dell, who obviously went on the injured reserve quite some time ago after a really strong start to his rookie campaign. The Texans will also likely be without Jerry Hughes, defensive end, outside linebacker. The Ravens have Mark Andrews listed questionable, like I mentioned, who has logged two full days of practice, a bunch of clips coming out about him, and you have to, <laughs> the cryo chamber, Terrell Owens, tons of great stuff there. Marlon Humphrey will be missing this one. He is out with a calf injury, has not practiced this week after aggravating, re-aggravating, whatever it may be, his lower leg on the, look like the extra point unit, the field goal block against the Steelers in week 18 there. Delshawn Phillips, also a key special teams member who will be out. Devin Duvernay will be in this one. Coming back, Tylen Wallace will be out. So those kind of swap each other right out. Duvernay and Wallace, interchangeable there. And the Ravens have also signed running back Dalvin Cook to the active roster and waived Melvin Gordon. Dalvin Cook saying that he is willing to die on the field in the NFL playoffs, which got me buzzing in my car earlier today. I've been buzzing ever since. I am elated with that quote, and it couldn't have been more badass. Yeah, I think I uh, I maybe poured some cold water on that. I was like, well, I don't know if we need you to die. Let's just put up a little respectable uh, respectable number there, maybe get you in the end zone for the vibes and everything, and get some speed into this running back room going east-west, which I think they they certainly need a little bit. Justice Hill has provided uh, a good, a, a nice little burst in that department after Keaton Mitchell went down, I think better than people were expecting. Uh, so he's been great, but I think Dalvin adds another dimension. They let go of Melvin Gordon, uh, essentially replaced him with Dalvin. So for me with Dalvin, it's like, just don't put the football on the ground and we don't have to go right into him necessarily. But for it's just for some of these guys, it's like, you don't want to approach a game like don't mess up. And I, I don't think that they will. They all seem, for as much as we're talking about them being locked in and having that look in their eye, they also seem very loose. Uh, you get these videos of Lamar Jackson just kind of playing around, like rolling around on the ground. And he's like joking about his starting five and the uh, social media videos and stuff. Uh, it's almost that perfect balance of like, yeah, you know what? We're locked in. We're ready to rock. But also like, this is fun. Let's have some fun. Let's enjoy this. And uh, we can because we're confident that we can take care of business. They do seem loose and locked in at the same time. It's the dumb. It's the year of the dumb jock. That's what they are. They have Cassie. Uh, Calvert there posting social media clips, who would be your starting five, which is a loose question, like the question there. And then somebody runs up and throws a snowball at Lamar Jackson inside, and they're running around having fun and bumping music, and Lamar's imitating Kyler Murray, dancing around on his knees, throwing the football there. So they do seem loose. They do seem like they're having fun. And it's fun in a different way. It's not forced fun. It's not showmanship fun. It's just having fun with your boys, being in the locker room, all those kinds of things. And like that's where this team has been a little bit different uh, i just think in general we've seen a complete team offensively from the ravens so far this year that has responded to any type of look they can run play action they can run straight drop back they can go under center a little bit they can run the ball inside and outside and they have fun doing it and i think that the combination of them maybe not feeling satisfied with gigantic wins that they have put up this year but also having that aspect of fun at the same time, a little bit enough to keep it going, keep it loose, keep it light has been a ton of fun to watch. So this offense is going to be under the microscope, right? So the Ravens have not scored 20, more than 20 points. The one game they have won in the last nine years in the playoffs was when they scored 20 points against the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. 
and have failed to do so against the Chargers. Lamar Jackson's rookie year, 2019 January. Against the Titans the following year, they put up, what, 13? And then against the Buffalo Bills, who they lost to um, before losing to the Cincinnati Bengals, three points, and then I believe 17 points there. And I do look at that Bengals game last year as a little bit of a tease. Of we, we saw Mike McDonald in the playoffs. We did see Kyle Hamilton in the playoffs. We saw Adafe Owe have a really strong performance in that game. We saw a defense that was locked in despite Lamar Jackson not playing in that one and that they did game plan well for the Bengals. They were able to force turnovers. They were able to limit big plays. And that was the recipe that you feel so much stronger about. That's Mike McDonald's signature this year, right? Limit the big play downfield. And they didn't allow those. They made the Bengals have to keep throwing underneath to Jamar Chase and throwing underneath and running the ball and pressuring Joe Burrow and making him scramble throw the ball, take a hit, survive, you know, don't mess up. They they play that game where you have to keep paper cutting them over and over and over. It's kind of reverse of what Tom Brady used to do. Tom Brady used to happily paper cut you to death. And that's why he was so good because he was one of the few quarterbacks that can be right over and over and over and over and check into the run that gets three yards and then hit the back out of the backfield for five. And then, oh, here's a little, you know, here's a little skinny post for 12. And keep going and going and going. So they make you have to kind of be Tom Brady. And there's no more Tom Brady, especially from back in the day. So that is the the essence that you get when you look back at that Bengals game that I feel like we forget about and was swept under the rug. And for good reason in some ways, but the Ravens smacked the Bengals in the mouth in that game. They out-physicaled them. They hit them with, with a deep shot to Demarcus Robinson. They punched the ball out. They were able to do a ton and go down and get at the one yard line with the opportunity to put the Bengals on the ropes. And we all know what happened after that. We think of the, the Sam Hubbard rumble, which is why I think that game does get deleted from a lot of Ravens fans memories. But I loved what I saw from that defense and going back and watching it again and knowing the toys and the confidence that Mike McDonald's unit has makes you really excited about a matchup against a rookie quarterback that doesn't have Jamar chase and T Higgins and a full stable of ancillary weapons too. Yeah, and you look at that defense. I mean, they weren't even really playing with the same type of full deck that we're talking about. I mean, the, that was one of my frustrations with the Ravens was sometimes they would flirt with the idea of signing a guy like a Clowney or signing a guy like a Van Noy, and maybe they would, and they would just do one of them, and that would be it. Uh, they really kind of pushed all their chips in here with these two guys, and I think uh, it's paid off handsomely for them, and I think it's going to pay off handsomely in experience with a Van Noy, who's been there and done this um, multiple times, I'm pretty sure, gone on and won a Super Bowl, and Clowney certainly bounced around. He's got a lot of talent, and uh, he, he's talked about how this is one of his most fun seasons of his career that he's had, and I think that's definitely going to show up in this game as well. I think these guys are, uh, to your your phrase there, chomping at the bit to get going. Um, and I think we did, like, to your point, we got that preview in the Bengals game. It was a little bit of Roquan Smith. It was Kyle Hamilton forcing the fumble. Some of these guys playing up to their potential. But like I said, man, full deck wasn't even there. He didn't have Clowney. He didn't have Van Noy. Um, it's another year of Roquan. He's looking as good as he probably has in a Ravens uniform thus far. Uh, so excited to see what that is going to look like against a Texans offense that is a little bit big play dependent, I think. You mentioned not paper cutting you to death. It feels like a lot of it is, hey, CJ, like drop back and this play action is probably going to get you a good amount of time. But when it doesn't, like you're just going to have to make an amazing throw. And he's been making a ton of amazing throws. And like I said, with the Joe Flacco thing, like you're kind of just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And for Flacco, it did, and maybe it will for CJ, but like he's just, I mean, he's locked in too. He's playing out of his mind, and he's got all the talent in the world, and he's got fresh legs as a rookie, and uh, excited to see 
him versus this Mike McDonald defense because Mike has uh, run the gauntlet of these Shanahan tree offenses over the last month or so. Uh, here comes another one with Bobby Slowick, and here comes probably the best quarterback and certainly playing the best uh, within one of those offense that, offenses that he has seen. So, Well said. And this Texans offense, I think, to get into it, we can start there. Mike McDonald's unit against Bobby Slowick's unit. They, it's funny, a lot of people say, as I'm kind of just aggregating, listening to Mina Kimes, listening to, you know, 105.7, listening to PFF show, whatever comes across the ticker, what's their preview, what's their thoughts, Chris Sims, whoever. And a lot is made of, and I'll get to the other side of the coin of this, but a lot is made, rightly, of C.J. Stroud's under center, first and 10, drop back game. And that's what they torched the Browns with last week. They increased their early down pass rate much higher than it had been, torch the Browns there. Uh, they do a great job putting your linebackers in conflict. But as I'm listening to all these previews, and maybe I am contrarian on this, I do tend to err on the side of being contrarian, obnoxiously, always and forever. But right. week one, it was the same shit. It was the same offense. They didn't have the timing down. The confidence wasn't there. They didn't quite know what they had in Nico Collins and Tank Dell. But Bobby Slowick likes to reduce his formation, he likes to bring in tight alignments. He'll go heavy. He'll use a little bit of motion, a little misdirection with motion. And they like to run the ball downhill. They they run the ball. And we saw the Ravens play the Dolphins. So, so we talk about Slowick. We're going to talk about Mike McDaniel. We're going to talk about Kyle Shanahan. We're going to talk about Sean McVay. That's the tree. The Ravens have played three. And now we'll play, they played all four this year. And now we'll play Slowick for a second time, which is interesting. How does a Shanahan tree respond? How does Slowick respond? Um, but... Similar or dissimilarly from the Dolphins, for instance, they like to run the ball at you. They, they run the ball in a big boy way. They like to keep their linemen in tight splits and really power through double teams, things like that. I'll, I'll pull up the clips here in a moment. But what were they doing? Running the ball downhill with a different back. Sure. It was Pierce. It wasn't Singletary. And then throwing play action from under center. Under center drop back game is a huge part of what they do. And Stroud wasn't very clean on it early. He missed Nico Collins early on in a window uh, on a play-action dropback. They love to kind of run these in-breakers and these curls out of this first-and-ten play-action. They'll do it about 25% of the time typically throughout the season, but they pump that way up, like I said, against the Browns. So they like to try to get you to body up. They like your linebackers to feel you and you know feel the blocks coming downhill, and you got to fit. And then they put it right over your head and they've been timing it up better and better. So I don't think this offense has grown. I'm not saying they haven't grown, but we saw what he wanted to do in that game still. And I think you have a really strong idea as well. So that's kind of the premise of their whole offense. Uh, as I was compiling some notes here, I wrote down that Stroud uh, did miss a few games concussion, but had the fourth most passing attempts from under center behind only Goff, Love and Prescott. 20% of his dropbacks are from under center, which is a, a pretty big number. Most of them are in those tight alignments, like I said, and 75 out of those 100 were play action. So one in five passes is from under center, and four out of those five is a play action. Play action, a huge element of what they do. And oh, I guess I guess I'm just kind of pull the tape up here, and please feel free, Jake, of course, to, to hop in at any point with any thoughts you have. I don't want to just dominate here. Right. No, I'm in my AJ Hawk mode when you do these. Perfect. You you get into it. Uh, so let me go here and here. Let me know if you can see it, Jake. Yep. 
Perfect. So we saw that in week one, right? Texans love play action and curls. So we're going to see uh, space get occupied here on this curl early in the game. We're going to see it at the bottom of the screen. This is choppy. Let me know and I can kind of freeze them. But Looks right good. here, we see. So the Ravens play in this kind of soft little zone here. They give that cushion and the linebackers don't get depth. So there's this big vacated area and CJ Stroud gets the ball out. And that, Collins and Collins can have, there's no wasted motion with him. He's very good at coming back on those. That's the, and that's the thing. A lot of teams play them a little softer, a little more cushion. And what the Ravens do like to do, what Mike McDonald does like to do, play a little soft so that you can prevent deep balls from happening. But when we go back, one thing I want to point out here one more time on this play is the run fake. The run fake is going to go one way to our right. And then he's going to come back left because guess what the linebackers do? Go with the run fake. So you throw the ball behind. Look at that space between Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. That is the bread and butter. That is the hammer. That is CJ Stroud's passing offense. So again, we'll see. Goes one way and comes back the other quickly. It's like, uh, when people say use the run to set up the pass, that's pretty much seeing that happen in real time. And we had Greg Olson make comments there before I get into the next one. Greg Olson made comments saying that it doesn't matter how well you run the ball, but if you make them respect the run, then you'll get those windows. So that's going to put your linebackers in conflict. So when you play softer like this, there will be, and that's what Mike McDonald wants. He's he's like we said, he wants you to have to make the 12 yard throw over and over. So now we see Kyle Hamilton here. Nico Collins is going to run a curl again. We're going to see a motion out that effectively acts as a switch release and Switch meaning just inside to outside, outside to inside. So we'll see that kind of quick motion there and expands. You see Kyle Hamilton expand. And again, you can see that kind of pentagon of the Ravens DBs. That's where the middle of the field is. And guess where the ball is going to go? Same deal. Basically the exact same play twice. And Stroud missed it. He doesn't miss them very often. Stroud is averaging 15 yards per attempt on under center play action on first down. 15 yards per attempt. I think they have... 12 gains of 20 or more yards on these. And it's the same deal. The run goes one way. Stroud throws back the other way over Roquan Smith right here. And so I think a huge key to this one is if you want to play it that way, I have another way. We're going to look at what the Jets did to the Texans. CJ Stroud has only played one game in December outdoors since he was in high school and got throttled there. So Stroud takes the hit. The timing's not great. So now let's go look at what the Browns did. They play a middle-of-the-field close concept, meaning the single high safety on the roof. And look how much depth he has. He is on the roof. He is like Lady Gaga at the this very the roof. The ceiling is the roof. So we see this cushion. And if you want to play these, in my opinion, we'll get to the Jets, but you can't let them get. And you mentioned Nico Collins, Jake. You made that Debo Samuel comparison. I love that comparison because if you let him get ahead of steam, he is flying. Easy, quick, such an easy, 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 quick, free release, gets to the middle of the field. This is not play action, but they didn't disrupt, right? And there's that huge void, and there's less defenders around the outside, around the outside, around the outside. So giving that free release to me and playing middle of the field close is just not an option. We'll see CJ Stroud with his eyes and how quick and smooth. It looks very similar to the clips we just saw. Quick, smooth, goes back to it. And we're going to get to the Jets here. So you want to mix up looks. You want to see what the Ravens did a little bit for Stroud to be good. But now we're going to see the Jets do something similar to what the Ravens did, except they're going to disguise their coverage. So that run fake is going to go to the opposite side. And we're going to see this weak safety. He's going to drive on that. 
So we're going to see this kind of invert. We're going to watch Sauce Gardner when the receiver takes an inside release. He's going to become the deep half defender or the deep quarter defender. And the other safety will also be that deep half kind of deal. And then this corner will kind of man lock, kind of play the flat here. But when this safety drives, it's not Nico Collins. It is Robert Mechie, who is a nice receiver, but is not Nico Collins in terms of his size and skill set. When he drives on this, he's going to get hands. Look, look, he cuts him off. So when Stroud Reed goes there, he has to go through a progression on a play action, and they kind of slow roll it. This isn't like the Dolphins who do these rapid fire ones. So what the eyes have to move again, and then it's disarray and it's a negative play. So that's a way of disguising coverage. We'll see. And even the linebackers do bite. They do a good job being urgent after. But right at the top up here where Mechie is, he's walled off. There's a defender in his face, making sure that he can't maintain speed through. So that's something that the Jets did a ton. The Jets also, if they pressed, made sure to get hands on them. So some of the best reps that the Browns had, instead of leaving that soft cushion, they said, and that's what that was shocking to me, the Browns bread and butter. And maybe it's because they have a newer safety that's playing. Denzel Ward's a little banged up. Who knows? But when they disrupted, they got a lot more negative plays. And it was tighter and it was more difficult. They, they have that uh, post safety is able to just come right downhill on this one, as we can see. And we were so, talking in the group chat today about how that could be a good way to get them off their timing. Is just kind of get up in their face and not let them do the Shanahan slowick thing where you just get these guys out wide open in space, do whatever they want, like get up in their grill, disrupt that timing early, set that tone. And we even talked about the uh, officiating crew, John Hussey, I think his name is, and yep. how he's maybe favorable one way or the other. But I was kind of making the point that like maybe just do what the LOB did 10 years ago. Like just, you know, throw these guys around early in the first quarter, take a couple penalties, whatever. And they're not going to call them all game. You just can't if you're a ref. There's a human element there. So Penalty fatigue. And you want them to feel you do want to disrupt. And what then happens, and you'll see Nico. I think Nico is just, that's the key to this game, right? We, we did see the Bucs kind of beat the brakes off the Eagles without getting much production from Evans and Smith. But there's just not really anybody else that you respect that much. Um, the, you know, There's Evans, and, or excuse me, Evans and Godwin. There is Evans and Godwin, which can open up for other guys. So, they will make sure, the Texans will make sure, outstandingly, that Nico does get the football. Here's in that Week 18 game against the Colts. We're just going to throw him a bubble screen. And he is unbelievably athletic. He is a Clydesdale. He can move fast. He can get speed quickly. And he can run right through you. Dangerous. Obviously, has such a big frame. So he can track some balls down downfield. All those things. Uh, there's a couple other clips in here a little bit later. But uh, just Kyle Hamilton has to be that eraser. Now I wanted to look at the misdirection here. So motion often lies in the Texans offense. Usually the motion expands the linebackers. You're going to see that these DBs up here saying, hey, push, push, push. It'll expand the linebackers one way. Very simple football. And that's why the Texans are a clean team. They don't do, honestly, on def, offense and defense, they have a very simple game plan that has pillars and uh, strong elements that they stick to. One of them is just, hey, let's use motion for deception here. And this clip should be coming here. So we're just going to pitch the ball out against the grain and make you expand and run the ball downhill. It's an outside run, but they got Singletary going downhill. And Singletary has a way higher yard per carry from under center than he does the other way. So again, we'll see that motion, get you to expand, and then we're going to run against it. And you see 91 charges upfield there. That motion can get you. And Singletary is a very nice back, but I kind of feel like the Ravens are willing to 
live with these. We saw. I mean, I'll just, I'll just say it like that's sorry ass tackling too by the Browns. And oh made, my gosh, yes. Made this point that they just looked like after a while they didn't even want to be on that field after a certain point. And uh, I think the Ravens, you know, if nothing else, I feel like this year especially, and this goes back to the Mike McDonald, Jesse Minter, Michigan thing. Like you can rely on them to tackle, which was a needed thing after like the the last days of Wink. So exactly. Good point. And on that Brevin Jordan long touchdown, I almost put that one in here, but it was just guys weren't. I mean, the guys just yeah, let him run. The point after seeing the Singletary and so they, like the, the, they were just not not into that. They just assume you. They assume someone else was going to make the tackle. That was the issue. They assume there would be help. They assume someone else, and they didn't. In the words of a now deleted tweet, you know, they weren't willing to die out there for it. So, uh, same kind of concept here in the past game. Hey, just a simple clean motion. This isn't Tyree Kill fast out. This isn't any of those. Just, hey, we're going to go motion this way. We're going to sneak our fullback lined up at tight end the other way. The linebackers all go that way. And then our unassuming player, you know, here's against the Jets. This is what they had to get into. And it's just basic stay home. Do your job. And they don't have Tank Dell. They don't even have Noah Brown. They have, you know, their fourth and fifth and sixth guys are taking these big roles. So we see the linebackers expand, go with the run fake, and Stroud's eyes come up, and it's too late. Just flips the ball over top. And these you're willing to live with. You're willing to live with Andrew Beck catching the football. Again, you don't want that to be Nico Collins. And uh, Nico Collins did miss most of this game, which is probably also why the Jets did such a good job. Collins is an unbelievable receiver, but just smooth. And that's where it looks like Mike McDaniel's offense. It's not quite as uh, rapid, but same principles here. We're just going to use motion and get the ball out quickly. And then more, just a mechy fast motion underneath that jet motion there. And then we're going to leak out to the tight end in the flat the other way. The motion usually ends up with the ball going the other way. Unless it's in kind of the run game there, sometimes they will just motion to get another number. But a lot of it seemed to be going the opposite direction. So staying home is huge. We mentioned Brevin Jordan having a long touchdown. Uh, it wasn't terribly similar, but it was, it was, you know, flipping him the ball in the flat and letting him rock and roll. So here's another example. Marlon Humphrey is going to be out. And I wanted to talk about, you know, how physical the Ravens should be. If you're going to press, you have to jam. If you're going to play soft, when the receiver declares themselves, you have to get your hands on them. And this is a situation that can't happen. Ronald Darby has been a nice player, to be fair. This was him recently signing and, and getting into camp and getting his feet back under him. I just, if you're going to have Nico Collins, and the Ravens didn't know who Nico Collins was. Like he hadn't emerged yet as this big play threat, but he just makes Darby fall down. Just can't touch him. And then Kyle Hamilton's there on the same side. And a player that usually runs through every single person's face, Kyle Hamilton is able to go help out with. So you'll live with getting beat underneath there, but you just can't have it. It's Velociraptor on Velociraptor violence here. I'll rewind it. I mean, two absolute freaks, very similar athletes, I feel like. And just just war. Collins kind of trying to try to fight him there. Yeah. So we, we, we talk about these, and, and this is kind of the, the end here, I think. But we talk about... You know, the linebackers are going to be in conflict. So my first thoughts are like, all right, you know, you're going to have to have Roquan have a big day. He's got to be smart. He's got to be quick. But they're going to get you. They're going to throw it over your head. The Dolphins here go tempo. This is Roquan Smith's interception that was so cool to watch. But you know it's the same thing. All of them want to attack. All of them, meaning all of the Shanahan-style coaches, want to attack the middle of the field here. When you know it's play action, you have to run. You have to run to depth you can't slide and uh shuffle tech and you know sit on it run Flip run to it. it yeah you know you don't have time to do tricks on it you got to get there 
get there. And that's what we saw Roquan Smith do. The difference. This play to me is the key of stopping that bread and butter of that play action pass game. And it is run to depth. Then he might try to throw the ball a little too high. Then you can get that mistake. See, he opens up there. Open up the gate. Flip the He's hips. Like, exactly. Flip the hips. We see right here, Queen still, you know, he, he was in a different spot. You know, that was fine. But Queen's hips are forward. Flip the hips, run. And you're not going to get an interception one-handed every time. But if you can get your hands on a football, this was a high-difficulty play, you have to make them pay. It's the same thing as Brock Purdy we talked about. C.J. Stroud against the Jets had three turnover-worthy throws, meaning they hit a defender in the hands, zero interceptions. He has four less, and I put down, you can't drop the baby. We see C.J. Mosley here as an example of it in this Jets game I watched. Watch the Panthers game, too, and they did a nice job on some things. Uh, don't have to get into that, but have to make him pay. Have to catch the football. If he throws these quick balls here, you can't drop it. You have to get him off the field. Have to make him pay. Have to get in his head here. Mosley jumps right under it, sees it, jumps it, kind of like the pick six that Christian Harris had, but just drops the football. So at the end of the day, you need to make those catches and can't let him get away with this. His turnover-worthy play rate, which PFF charts, you know, basically drop picks or balls that could have been picked to his interceptions is the, the highest disparity in the league. He had five picks, 17 turnover-worthy throws. Josh Allen had 21 and threw, what, 17 interceptions? So um, that's that's kind of the long and short of it here. That's everything on, on this subject matter. I'll stop my uh, screen sharing Inception. here. Whoa. Yeah, this Ravens defense, I mean, it's interesting. Their last two meaningful games, what do they have, five turnovers total? I mean, they, they got Purdy four times, and then you pick off Tua in that game. And they do give up the big plays. They gave up a few big ones to San Francisco. They gave up a few ones early with Miami that, you know, let's not forget, they started that game off 7 nothing with a pretty much perfect drive right down the field. Then Tariq Hill drops one in the end zone, and all of a sudden the tenor of that game changes. Yeah, I think you gotta you got to find a way to get your hands on the football no matter what it is. I think uh, interceptions would be great, but with the way CJ's fitting the ball right now, it might be tough. So I think get up in faces. Get those, you know, peanut, the, you know, fruit punches, whatever you want to call them, rolling. I know Marlon's not going to be out there, but just be physical. Try to jar that ball out and try to try to change the the tenor of it uh, early on. Certainly, and to me, this Texans team, you really don't want to see hit their stride on the opening drive. I think the Ravens have kind of started slow defensively, and letting them play with a lead versus getting them out of that play action ability. I, I want to call it like an offensive shell almost is imperative to me. So if you know, you're always going to defer, you want the ball in the second half, you want the chance to double up and the, the, the later possessions matter more than the earlier ones. Can't let up a touchdown on the first drive. I, I think the Ravens really need to wake up here. And that's where you got to be a little nervous because and you can say at any time to giving up a touchdown, losing the lead is always going to be bad, but to let a team that already played, and already got their jitters out. And I know we talk about C.J. Stroud and the Texans, you know, rookie, rookie, rookie. They already came to Baltimore once. This isn't going to a new stadium, a new city, a new place, and, and all that stuff. They already were here. It is colder. We saw and this maybe, happen 15 years ago. We saw the Ravens go on the road twice, and then they go into Pittsburgh, and they get very close to going to a Super Bowl, and Paul Amalu gets them at the end. But, I mean, it happens. It does. So it is any given Sunday, but – the Ravens need to figure out a way to start fast defensively. If the Texans open with the football, the Texans already got their jitters out. They know what they want to do. They have a simple game plan. They did do some advanced things, double moves. Nico Collins runs a sluggo against a weird Browns coverage uh, ordeal kind of look blown there. And they get that big shot early or Robert Mechie hits an out and up 
uh, when the, the, the Browns are playing soft and the safety kind of just gets caught slipping. So they've already gotten those jitters out. That's where you got to be a little nervous, and that's where you got to respond on the other side of the football if that is the case. But I just think that this defense needs to figure out a way to start fast. And to me, it's being physical. It is, to your point, Jake, taking penalties. Grab those receivers. Hit them at the top of their route. Grab them. Get onto them. Get the jitters out. Don't let them you know, work their way down the field and catch that rhythm in, a, in the pass game. And I reserve my right to bitch about any and every single penalty called, no matter how egregious. I will. Oh, you will. Okay. You look like you look like you would complain about in that outfit right now. Yeah, don't ask me where I was on January sixth. Let me tell you, these Stroud boys, you know, we're coming. Let me just you're, say, uh, you, you were play, you're you're placed in the crowd here as a fake Stroud boy, aren't you? You're working. Yeah, I, I'm. Boy. Yeah, maybe I'm like a, a double agent there. They got me going down to Houston this week. Um, yeah, do some do some advanced scouting on that. And, uh, come back to the rally point. And let them let the uh, the CEO know what's going on. Love it. So if that is the again, my my whole thing here is that I feel like. We've watched the Ravens give the ground game to the Shanahan offense. We watched them give the ground game to the 49ers. And it's not that they didn't try. It's that the structurally, they weren't as worried about the run game. And, you know, I, I do love Devin Singletary rushing yards in this one, frankly. You're on the road. It's going to be loud. Singletary gets a lot of touches. 61 and a half, I think, is the line there. Uh, His yards per carry last week was like astronomical. I don't have the number in front of me, but he was uh, he was ripping them off big time. He had two runs of, I think he had a 22 and a 29, something like that. So uh, then the Ravens buckled down in the red zone and I didn't pull up tape of it. I, I meant to and whatever, but in the red zone, the Texans plan of attack is very strange to me. They pretty much exclusively seem to want to just throw the ball to the flat over and over and over boot throw, quick throw, quick throw, quick throw. Something they really like to do is go trips, trips, bunch or just tight. And then they'll have the number three, meaning the sideline, first receiver, second receiver, third receiver closest to the formation, the closest receiver to the formation, he'll just beeline to the flat. And that kind of stays the whole time, but they love to get number three to the flat. I think that's their whole hack is that, you know, we we, we throw over the middle of the field and then you give us the flat and they kind of just ping pong back and forth on that. That's the, the chess they play. We're going to, you know, high-low you in the flat and then we're going to get you to expand to the flat and throw the ball right over the linebackers' heads there. Uh, so I think that's kind of the, the whole kit and caboodle offensively for them and man this is the speaking of ravens defenders this is the brandon stevens game yep marlon humphrey's out brandon stevens doesn't have a contract yet he's been awesome this year he's been physical he went toe-to-toe with Ayuk. Ayuk got him a couple times he got Ayuk a couple times and brandon stevens has an opportunity here to play that physical game be that running back style corner he's got that physicality in the bag he's awesome against screens he can be disruptive he's hard to kind of toss or push and, and kind of has that density to him as a corner, despite being so athletic and fast, that I think is a huge opportunity. And what the Ravens did in week one was blitz those backers a ton. Blitz, make Stroud get the ball out. Uh, he did have a real, this year he's one of the, the longest time to throws of any quarterback, but last week was the quickest of his season, 2.44 seconds, was able to get the ball out against the Browns. So I think that's a little harder. I think the Browns came out of what their typical bread and butter defensively was in that press man structure played a lot of soft stuff blew some coverages miscommunications all kinds of stuff they're on the road too and uh you know they quit on the other side of the ball as well but this texans offense is very clean and i don't know what kind of tricks they have up their sleeve necessarily you kind of saw i feel like you kind of saw it last week maybe they can just get crazy with nothing nothing to lose now you know they, they went all in and won 
and won a playoff game as a rookie head coach and quarterback. That's awesome. So they got to be kind of loose themselves, right? You know, they got to be feeling loose. They don't feel pressure. They're not supposed to be here. Well, hopefully they're, uh, you know, they get a little out over their skis and that's where the interception comes in. CJ maybe has a little heat check, deep shot downfield. You get the one arm man in the mix there. Let's have him pick a ball off. Let's have him make an impact here. I think he's, he's a massive player in this one too. Yeah, I mean, they signed him to be this guy. They signed him to make plays on the ball. He's done that for the most part when he's been healthy. It's been touch and go in that regard. Big game players make big game plays. I think uh, Marcus Williams certainly has proven himself to be a big game player pretty much ever since his rookie year when he you know, obviously had the worst mishap you could ever have there with the Minnesota Miracle. I think since then, uh, he's been pretty tight on the back end there in these spots. So excited to see uh, if he can make some noise in this one. Most certainly, uh, you know, the, the Texans offensive line, Tunsil, outstanding, broke some of his stuff down so quick off the ball. And, you know, if it's not going to get called, it's not going to get called. See, a little too quick is, I think, what you were asking. Yeah, he sways. And me and Cole got into it a little bit. I think he's going like this, not as drastically before the snap, whereas Lane Johnson goes like that straight up, and that is allowed. You're allowed to bob kind of and, and stay in place that way. Um, so Tunsil got a good beat on Garrett early by, by kind of, falling back as the ball was snapped and that's going to be harder to time on the road. So that's why the stadium has to be loud. And then you can't change protection. This pass rush should be able to tee off. Justin Matabike told us last night, his goal for these playoffs is four sacks in this, uh, this playoff series. And this Texans offensive line is not very strong up the gut. They have gotten a lot better as time goes on. They have a good bit of continuity now at this point. Uh, Fant, their right tackle, a little banged up, but got to get to him. Got to disrupt him, got to hit him, got to make him feel you. Um, at the same time, I feel like you're kind of willing to live with him scrambling. He's not hes not even like a Trevor Lawrence-level scrambler where he can kind of really get going downhill. But man, oh man, I think it's okay to let him run and get some hits on him downfield. And Tristan here says, it is time to leave the wine and cheese at home, make the bank loud again. Mike McDonald asked for it. They want it. Get out there. Tickets are $100. For the third playoff game in the last decade at MT Bank Stadium. It's cold. Guess what? It's cold every winter. This is January go to, football. Go to Dick's. Get some Long John's, baby. It's not going to be that bad. It's only four hours. You know, we'll go get good. You can get Long John's for a dollar at Goodwill. You can get them yeah. even cheaper than that. You can get them anywhere. If you need some Long John's, let me know. I'll help you out. If you need Long John's to get to the bank, I'll, I'll help you out here. But Sounds man, like a oh man. Opportunity for you. It is. It is. Make the bank loud again. We got the sweatshirts. If you want one, DM me on Twitter, $40. I can have it to you. Express shipping. If the Ravens are to win, I could get it to you before the AFC championship for $25. Legitimately great, great quality. They're so comfortable. Like I, They are I very soft. What I expect necessarily, but very, very soft. I was wearing mine last night at Jimmy's uh, to rave reviews. And rave review for me. Raven reviews. I uh, also had another one coming out here probably next week, hopefully. So keep an eye out for that if the Ravens are able to get it done. So tons of stuff. Turner says he's got his, going to see us there. Uh, I do want to mention that if the bank is loud, I have made a pledge. The chat runs the show, Jerry After Dark style. I'm going to go take a look at a tweet here yeah, posted by so myself. We've rented out a golf simulator in perpetuity. You're going to have to hit a hole in one. We'll see how long it takes. I know you've been working on the swing. It's going to be great. It, uh, that, that could be, that could be it if you guys vote on that. So I tweeted and I'll pull the tweet up here. Please don't vote on that. We do not have the money to make that happen. We could make it happen. I could, I, I could, I could, I could work out a deal with five iron if I had to. Okay. All right. We're going to go inception for a moment and then we'll see it here. So I said, I would chug a gallon of milk if the bank is loud and by loud, I will say 
if I genuinely believe it is louder than or as loud as it was against the Bengals on Thursday night, that is kind of my litmus. It needs to be oh, more. We're doing subjectivity here. I thought that we were going to like count the decibels or something. I don't know how to count the decibels. I th- don't they do it on the? Jumbo? I think that's a graphic. Could be, but I'm I mean, pretty sure that's a graphic. We can try to confirm with the Ravens. I can probably get a decibel meter. It wouldn't be that hard to do that. I don't think for them. I don't know that. I feel like it's gotten way louder to my perspective than that decibel meter goes up, and other times it isn't, and it starts flicking higher. I don't trust that thing. This feels like a little bit of gerrymandering on your part. I think you, you know. No, 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 no. I am more than happy to do whatever wins here. So we opened it up. Milk, I can do. But go ahead and comment here. I'll drop the the tweet in the chat for the live viewers right here. We're going to get Inception for a second. I just dropped it for you. Go post whatever it is. The if the bank is loud, Spenny will blank on the live stream after the game. The chat, or the, excuse me, the reply that gets the most will win. So go comment something here. Very nice words there for my friend Kyle Yingling. I want to find a, I'd like to find just the most embarrassing TikTok dance that I can make you do. And then we'll, you know, set that to uh, a little bit of ice spice or something and have you do, do some tricks on it. Seamus, Seamus agrees with me. I think that's a graphic dude. I swear. Well, listen, we know the people that run that stuff. So we could, we, it's a we'll contact the AV people and see, uh, th- maybe it is. I'm probably wrong, but I don't know. I'm more, I will 50, 50 goes to the, the ball carrier and the ball carrier is the chat, right? So if it's good enough, I'll do whatever, whatever. I'm going to pull an Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to set up some, uh, set up some <laughs> JBLs around the stadium and just pump some crowd noise in there. That'd be fine to yeah. go ahead. Stuff the ballot box. Of course, stuff it up. You, you, you really want to get, want to get after it today. So, um, please go comment on that. I put it in the chat. Put a reply, something good, milk, I'll dye it purple, something like that. I can do the milk, um, whatever it is. Harbor might be tough in the freezing weather. I don't know. We but, got a, uh, and we also, I think we got a verbal commitment from. Um, we did job. get a verbal commitment from Kadri Ishmael that he yeah, will join me in a milk chug. Yeah. I mean, that would be, talk about content. If we have to go with milk chug, we can go with milk chug. I'll chug a gallon live. Whatever it is, I'll do it live after the game on the live stream, if it's loud enough. So we'll do our instant analysis, whatever it is. The chat runs that one. We're, we're stealing Jerry after dark there. Shout out, shout out 26, 27 to Jerry. But if they, if they do this or if they win, like you, I feel like you're doing this no matter what. I mean, yeah, probably. Whatever it is. Go put some good stuff in there for me. It can be juicy. I'll do whatever. It can be juicy. Do it. Do, do like good things that I'll actually do. Do things that I would actually do. Yeah, let's keep it realistic. We saw I saw some uh, some jokes. Realistic, here. it can be a little torturous, but make it like someone was like, "Go order one of everything from Jimmy." He's like, "All right, that's gonna be freaking four grand. Give me a break here." If you guys want to put the donations in, sure, I'll eat it all. Sorry, maybe it's talking about being able to hook stuff up. I mean, you feel like that's a content opportunity for both parties. They could. I, I can. I can do it. I could do the UFO they've got there. Get I, can, I, I can do some food stuff, but. Um, Go check that out. Anyway, let's get back to it. We can switch over to the other side of the football. And oh, thank you, Maddie. Maddie, Maddie thank you so much. We love you too. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate everyone. We got a bunch. Like and subscribe while you're in here through the banner up there. Drop Go us ahead. a tip like he just did if you want to. We're a small shop. We, we accept donations. Of course. We love it. It helps us just all of everything we make off YouTube just goes back into the show. So appreciate you guys so much. And with that, we can meander over to the other side of the football. And what I wanted to start with here is 
as much as people have talked about the Texans, and I feel like that's all over ESPN. It's like, okay, Mina Kimes on NFL Live. All right, let's talk about the Texans under center play action. All right, then I'll scroll over to Chris Sims. Oh, well, the Texans are so good at, with play action. Lamar Jackson has a higher passer rating, 131, under center play action. They don't run it as much under center. 0.32 EPA per drop back is also ahead of Stroud. Leads the NFL there, minimum qualifiers. Extend that to all play action. Not even just on first down, all play action. Lamar Jackson leads the NFL in EPA per play. He leads the NFL in success rate. He leads the NFL in passer rating at 127. Stroud are one and two. Jackson is second to Stroud in yards per attempt. And they are the only two averaging over 10 yards per attempt there. So what Lamar Jackson has done off of play action and what Todd Munkin has opened it up into, especially down the stretch here, is backbreaking. And the Texans linebackers, they're they're played very nice. I love Christian Harris coming out. Blake Cashman, I like too, coming out of Minnesota. The Cashman. And the Cashman. And we see that clip that goes viral. D'Amico Ryans is uh, going up to Christian Harris saying, hey, if you get this look, run under this, it's stick. Christian Harris just sat there, waited for it, jumped it, pick six. You can't do that against the Ravens. You're not going to be able to get a beat on them like that. Uh, we The one thing down the stretch here that was like that was when they played the Jags and they ran that RPO to Odell and Lamar forced it. But that was not like, Lamar didn't have to do that. It, it was a little different to me and hasn't made a mistake like that since. So I think they're super hard to get a beat on in terms of that play action. And to me, the, the player that stands out that has to have a day, and I think will, is Isaiah Likely. Isaiah Likely is huge. He can go up and get the ball. He can run over you. He can run by you. He seems to be really in tune, mind-melting well with Lamar Jackson being a safety outlet for him, getting the ball in the flat, working back to him, and then just destroying after the catch. I love Jalen Petrie. I was high on him coming out. The uh, The other safety they have there, he's a hyphenated name. His name's escaping me. DeAndre oh. Houston Carson, Ravens great legend. Job. Great job. Yeah, Ravens legend. Always uh, great when you have the city name of the city you play for in your name, too. Doesn't get much better than that. Ravens don't have any. Oh, they have one hyphenated guy. They got the, the rookie guard. Yeah. I digress. Those guys are not physically going to be able to match up with Isaiah Likely. I, I don't see that being in the cards. Uh, Isaiah Likely has been all over the field. Play action, streaking downfield. He he sells his, his arc release blocks, all those kinds of things really well. And him and Zay Flowers, I think, are kind of the key here that they can hurt you after the catch and the Texans don't have the horses. Derek Stingley, awesome. Cover corner, not a tackler necessarily. He was, I had him over Sauce Gardner. He's my number one corner. I'm proud to see him play very well because of that. But not a tackler. On the other side, Steven Nelson, not a tackler. Christian Harris, nice player. You know, Blake Cashman, nice player. I think they're smart. They, they, they go take on their blocks. They kind of just play in the box though. And we saw Joe Flacco hit uh, Harrison Bryant over their heads for a massive gain and some of those things. So the same conversation we just had about the Texans offense and play action and the conflict of linebackers. Well, the Ravens have Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and not, not to take away from what Harrison Cashman did last week, but that's two guys that have been playing a thousand snaps for, I mean, four and six years here. So this defense, I, I just don't know how they'll have the horses to be able to keep up. And the other thing that Lamar has been so spectacular and, and what to me makes him MVP and why he won MVP since the Ravens buy, he has been by far the best quarterback in the NFL when pressured. And I think the big question of this game is 
is D'Amico Ryan's going to blitz Lamar on pass downs or not? Is it going to be known blitzes? Is it going to be pressure fronts? That was kind of the Achilles heel of the Ravens. They didn't have clean answers to the blitz. That was an issue with Greg Roman. But he leads the NFL in quarterback rating, EPA, EPA per play, success rate, PFF grade, first downs completed, net yards per attempt when he's pressured. And when he's blitzed, it's in that same time period, he's got 11 completions for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Pressure has not phased him one bit. I have some blitz numbers here, teams across the NFL. Got some other things here. Let's see. There it is. All right, perfect. Uh, so when, or throughout this regular season, the Texans blitzed on 22% of all pass downs, uh, which actually went down as the season went on from week eight. That is below the league average here of 29.4. They have also uh, simulated pressure on a league low, excuse me, second lowest in the league, Third lowest in the league, pardon me, Colts, then Niners here at 2.6, and the Texans here at 2.7. It's very similar to the Texans, or excuse me, to the Niners defense. You know, they've got Will Anderson and Grenard there to be their, you know, pass rushers, um, all those kinds of things. But what have we said consistently throughout this show all year long? If you just line up and play defense, because the Texans, guess what? They also don't disguise coverage. They disguise coverage less than any team in the NFL. They line up and play coverage. Lamar Jackson is too good, too experienced, too dangerous, too athletic, too smart of a passer to just line up and play. When they have Stingley and he's really good. I like Jalen Petrie. They don't have horses. They don't have a Jalen Ramsey and, you know, a bunch of guys that they can just kind of line up and play like that. That's what the Lions did to them. And the Lions got, you know, laughed off the field, basically. So I just don't see that being a possibility. And I believe that the Ravens, We'll be able to shred the middle of the field if they do that. Zay Flowers has been so dangerous in that intermediate 10 to 19 yard range. And I don't know, like people keep talking about, can the Ravens run the ball in the Texans? I don't think it matters. Todd Munkin has made this a quarterback centric offense from a run heavy offense. That progression has happened over the course of the year. And I know it's not the NFL, but at Georgia, Todd Munkin empowered Stetson Bennett in those playoff games with creative play action concepts. And when you have someone that can scramble, even like a Stetson Bennett, that's your de facto run game a little bit more so. I think we see Lamar Jackson turn up the running here, turn up the scrambling. I think he's willing to fight like he did 2019, 2020. Fight for those extra yards in the playoffs. He's been saving himself for this. Yeah, I think it's the uh, the perfect time really to turn all that up. We've seen it happen a little bit at times too, where we're kind of like wondering like what's going on here? Why don't they just cut it loose, cut it loose? You go back to the 2019 Seahawks game, really one of the breakout games of his career where it was a kind of, a you know, pretty traditional dropback stuff. We'll run it with him a little bit, but then they were trying to throw late to uh, put that thing away. And he was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to go Vince young mode and just run all over these guys. And he just ran all night and he, uh, he ran them off the field and won that game. And we've seen it happen here a little bit uh, um, this season as well. In certain games uh, with the 49ers game, you think about the long scramble at the end of the first half that gets them three points effectively and he saw the 49ers defense just in absolute awe that he was able to pull that off against them. I think it is a lot more measured. It's a lot uh, It's a lot different than we, when he was younger, but he's just got such a good eye for when to go ahead and pull that club out of the bag, and it's not nearly as much as it used to be, but I think what, it makes it more effective because of that. So against the defense where we were talking about it, it's, you know, Will Anderson on one side, and these linebackers are decent, but 
looks like he, he's probably going to be able to make some hay. And I think if you open it up and get that passing game going a little bit, get Beckham to make some big plays. He's kind of your big play merchant. Get Zay Flowers a ball in his hands. Let him make a couple uh, and juke guys out. And all of a sudden, you're accounting for the passing game. And when teams start to account for the passing game, that's when those lanes open up and he just starts to cut it loose. So I think it is the uh, the perfect opportunity in that regard. Certainly is, and the, the Texans don't really have a big presence in terms of interior pass rush either, which feels like if you want to beat Lamar Jackson, you got to be able to kind of win inside and outside simultaneously. He can't step up, and you've got somebody to run around with him with a little bit more speed. So uh, that that's huge. Sheldon Rankins, uh, Greg, thank you so much for the, the tip there. Greg. appreciate you so much. Long-time listener. Love you, Greg. Um, Sheldon Rankins banged up in this one, I believe is questionable. Uh, if he can't go, that's a big deal. The Texans kind of just want to stop the run and sit back and play coverage. And, you know, we're not going to upset the football gods here, but to me, that's a defense. Colin Coward said it in his preview earlier today. I was listening to the Cowman. He said that the Texans are a great story and the Ravens are a great team. And I just don't know how, I just don't understand in my in my brain, it is the playoffs. Anything can happen. No disrespect to the Texans. They could do the damn thing for sure. But I just don't see how they could just line up and play coverage like that and expect to go win. Stop the run, that's great. But the talent, the speed, the quickness. Zay Flowers played the same athletes, and he was dancing on them all game in week one. If you want to talk about things that happened week one, Zay Flowers was – that was back when – Zay Flowers wasn't really getting a lot of balls downfield yet. They're using him in a little bit more of a gadgety way. All right, let's get his feet wet. Much like what they did with J.K. Dobbins, his rookie year. All right, we're going to use him on some jet sweeps. Put the ball in his hands. He can just kind of run. We'll just put the ball in his hands. He can run to space. He was dancing on them. So uh, I, I think the Texans' defense schematically, I think it's a great story. Will Anderson, you should know how much I love him if you've been listening to this podcast. And D'Amico Ryans is great. That's not a scheme that can win in the playoffs the way that it is to me. So I think that means they know they have to blitz. They know they have to beat their own tendencies, and they're going to have to disguise coverage. They're going to have to do something, and if they don't, I think it's going to be big trouble for a Ravens team that's ready to party. And I think this city is ready to party. I think this fan base is ready to party. And I think Lamar Jackson is ready to have a party in a playoff game. The season turned into a little bit of a party, right? They're partying in San Francisco. The Dolphins game was a party. They were dancing on them. Yeah, they're hitting a little. Mm, 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 mm. That's my and, and it's time to break it back wide open. And we have Alex Clements here says, you know, hey, 2020 wild card type of scramble. I think so too. If you're going to sit back there and you don't blitz him, which they haven't done a ton, maybe they do this game. I think that's the best answer. If I was. D'Amico Ryans, I'm probably going to try to throw the sketch and sink at Lamar Jackson. I'd rather go down swinging than letting him just run around and embarrass my team. But I don't know what they can do. I, I really don't. His entire career, Lamar's, has been just destroying narrative after narrative. You know, you talk about him getting drafted and can't can he even be a quarterback? Should he play another position? Then it's it turns into, well, you know, this is looking good in 2018, but can he win in the playoffs? And then it's like, well, can he, you know, do it as a pocket passer? Can he do it as this and that? And he always showed a chip on his shoulder, you know, after that Dolphins game in 19 when they blow him out and he's doing the running back thing and he's, you know, not bad for a running back. And he takes note of this stuff. Like he really does. He he's aware of what the narrative is around him. And I think now that he's in that same spot that he was in 2019 when they failed in the same position. 
he's definitely going to be aware of it. And I think in other times when he has been in this position, he has risen to the moment. And I think this very much is that time for him. And I love the uh, call out of the 2020 wild card scramble against the Titans. I think, yeah, if he has one or two of those big plays to break this thing open early, I think, uh, I think we could be looking at a long day for the Texans. I think we talk about this whole locked in thing. It's turning into a parody of itself at this point. Um, but it's a hundred percent true. Um, and man, I, it's hard to really even break it down from a schematic standpoint or whatever. It just feels, it feels right this time. You mentioned, you know, the atmosphere maybe being a little off here and there and all that kind of stuff. But I think none of that really seems to be seeping through to the team. I think they, uh, I think they are ready for this moment and um, we'll, we'll obviously probably get into even more before we uh, close this thing out here, but uh, very, very excited to see how they come out. I, I want to see some big plays like early in this one. I want to see Beckham celebrating first downs and doing the uh, point thing that he likes to do. I want to see Zay flowers breaking a couple big ones and smiling on the sidelines. I want to see it all, man. I just want to, I want to get this party started to your point. Speaking of which I'm going to pop one here, here in dry January. Oh, get the, yes. the get the party started. We'll go. We'll go with a little shotgun here. Mm. This is for Lamar Jackson for a great regular season so far for the AFC North. We'll we'll get it started here. Damn, that was quick. First one popped of many. It's time to party. Bring the party. Even if you're not in Baltimore, even if you're not going to the game, which you should be if you can. If you can't, I get it. But if you can, you should. Let's have a party. We don't get these very often. I want this team to feel a party. I want the stadium to feel like fucking Bourbon Street when you walk in there. It shouldn't feel uptight. It shouldn't feel panicked. I'm not telling you to go get fired from your job and, and get blacked out and do all that kind of stuff. But, well, you know, if you're not working on Sunday. Dance, celebrate. It's a Saturday. Have fun. Friday, Purple Friday, Westmore, taking credit. It is uh, Purple Friday in Maryland. There's been a decree from the governor. So... Go have fun today, tomorrow, this weekend. Have fun, party, celebrate. A home playoff game in a – I think Baltimore is a town, not necessarily a city. I've said that before. We don't get a lot of things like this here. So have fun. Go do the extra thing. I know the holidays just ended, and you know you kind of feel that slum. You haven't gotten your vitamin D. Go take a magnesium. Go take a vitamin D. Do whatever it is you do to get right, feel good, have fun, party. You don't have to, you know, get drunk or anything, but have fun, party, make it a party. If you're having a watch party, make it the most fun. Play music, play music at the tailgate you're at. Talk to somebody louder than you usually would. Ask them how they're doing, how they're feeling. What's the score going to be? Yeah, I'm fired up about this one. Have fun, man. You don't get these very often. Don't take it for granted. And maybe if it's a little bit more fun of an atmosphere, who knows? Maybe the team has a little bit more fun and plays a little looser. I love the uh, Randy Marsh call out there. Oh, damn it. I knew I should have voted for McCain. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely be Randy, Randy party style there. Randy yeah. Marsh out there in the street. Kobe Jones is a legend of the game. He's dancing. You know, he's going to be dancing. Yeah. He's going to, he's probably going to come out and hit the Chapa city juke. I don't know how that's going to work with the shield in his hands, but uh, I'm sure he'll find out a way. And you know what? It's all about setting the tone. And I think that sets a good tone. Jacoby Jones cast out of this Texans franchise after a, a mishap against the Ravens in 2011. He comes to Baltimore and he uh, he proves himself to be an unsung hero in that playoff run. I know we want to uh, talk about that a little bit, too. Mark says, um, I'm dressed like I'm about to go to the game and stay silent. Yeah, right. The only silence I'm doing is, is 007. Silencer on the pistol, baby. It's a it's a funeral. 
is what I'm gathering from this. It is. It is. So hopefully there will be a, a memoriam to the Texan season, which, hey, it started at the bank and it's time for the Ravens to end it. You know, we're not going to disrespect the football gods, nor the, the the playoffs, nor the Houston Texans. But you are getting a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach at home. John Harbaugh, I'm looking at you, like I said, to start this show. You are supposed to be the pinnacle of coaching in your house that you've been here for a decade and a half. You are supposed to be the great playoff coach. This stadium is supposed to basically run itself against other teams to the point where it's it's a hard place to play. So make it that way. Get fired up. John Harbaugh, I'm looking at you. Make this team feel your presence. We don't want the thousand-yard stare. We want the dance. We want the party. Yep. Don C, thank you for the tip. Uh, Justin Matabike, yeah, we didn't really talk about the event that we did with him yet. Um, yeah, he's big. He's he's not like super tall. I don't think he wasn't like. I, I turned to you and Brian and I was like, oh, because I, I got there a little bit late, to, to be honest. So I, I was kind of off in the corner. If you see the video, go check the video Jake made out. It's it's really good on our. You got a good question team. in there. Huh? You got a good question in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brian, you know, shouted me out, asked a question, whatever. But uh, I was kind of far from him at first and he was sitting down and stuff. And I was like, oh, gosh, because he's listed at like 6'3", 280. And you're like, oh, okay. And you're like, oh, in my head, I was like, oh, gosh, you know, for that guy to have 13 sacks is crazy. And then once I was close to him, I was like, oh, he's I'm, like, he's, he's bigger than us. he <laughs> yeah. is, tall, but he's more just like a brick shit house. Like he's got traps and like he's just built out. So he's not like, you know, big or pudgy or anything. He's, just, he's, he's just like, huge. He's huge. He's just a, he's a fire. He's hydrant. unassuming. Yes, exactly. He's a bulldog. He's a fire hydrant. He's built like a he's he's dense, man. And uh, his his kind of shoulders and like the depth of his chest and stuff was was funny to see. He, he was always, in a shirt too. Another thing too is when you shake those guys' hands, particularly like the defensive guys. Like it's always like, okay, that's just a, a different human than me. Like the the hand size is is quite something. You know who was tall that we we didn't really interact with, but we saw across the room was one Tory Smith, who is in the house for uh, Rick Ritter's Purple Playbook. He's listed. He's listed as my height. I could have sworn he was like two heads to, or not two, like a half a head taller than me. Yeah, he he looked tall. They weren't wearing any crazy shoes or anything. I had big boots on too, and Matabike was way taller than me. I'm like six two, and Matabike was like up there. I was like, oh, all right, yeah, he's huge. We also, uh, I, I don't know if I should talk about this too much, but we did ask his agent like if he, uh, like whenever he sees a sack, does he like calculate that into like some algorithm? Is I couldn't like, hear if you guys got to ask it. No, I did. Yeah, I, I walked up. What That's did he cool. say? I couldn't hear. He was like, nah, man. Yeah, like I, I definitely get excited when he does, but it's just like market value, like that kind of thing. That's like when we started talking to him the second time, I I, I kind of tapped him on the shoulder. I was like, hey, man, like I got to ask. So the three of us, Brian, Jake and I were asking, we were asking, like we we're just talking amongst ourselves. And we we're like, I wonder if when I think Brian maybe said it, I was like, he was like, I wonder if when he sees Matabike get a sack, if he's like, oh, that's worth X amount of dollars, like as an yeah. upcoming free agent, especially once he started getting into like the eight, nine territory. It's like, how much does that sack? Yeah. What is the dollarization of that? And we're like sitting there like little schoolgirls, just like talking amongst ourselves. Like, Oh, are we going to ask him? Are we going to ask him? And then like, he's, he's like on his phone. He's no doubt like texting these like high level people, like looking into like whatever research he's doing or whatever, you know, he's with WME. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like how many times am I going to get the opportunity to ask? So yeah, we, uh, we asked and no, it turns out it is just market value. And just market else. value, yeah, just the old market value there. So that was an awesome time. Uh, we will hopefully, if the Ravens do prevail here, we will be doing another one on Tuesday at Jimmy Seafood with Kyle Van Noy. So keep an eye out for that. You can go to Jimmy Seafood, Jimmy's Famous Seafood.com, yes, and check out the events page 
right there. And you can sign up for that one. So uh, if the Ravens, you know, I, I'm saying today's the beginning of the party. It's Thursday. We're getting a little snow tonight here if you're local. Getting more and, snow? Yeah, two inches, I think, tonight, which is a ton. The so, not, yeah, the, the old one hasn't melted yet. So make sure you you, you got to monitor that car situation. I got I cleared it off. I cleared it off. We're good to go. Okay. Today, I had to drive around a little bit. So ultimately so i guess with that you know uh we we covered i think the the defensive side of the ball a little bit more thoroughly i'll probably post some youtube videos on the ravens offensive side of the football i still haven't posted my mvp lamar video i had trouble with formatting it'll be out tomorrow hopefully if i can fix it but you need me to run time the, to, the media encoder huh you need me to run it through the media encoder i got it i got it yes i that's what i have to do yes um with that, I guess we can go to Predickies. The other games, I mean, well, we can talk about for a moment if you want. Sure. But, yeah, so we're looking at Ravens and Bills. Or, excuse me, Ravens and 49ers hosting on Saturday. The one seeds in this new playoff format with seven seeds in each conference have hosted Saturday each year. So that leaves the Detroit Lions, I believe. Are they the are they the early game on Sunday? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't seen the Sunday uh, schedule. Let me see. I think – they might actually be – yeah, they're the early game. So it's going to be Packers at Niners on Saturday night following the Ravens-Texans game. Nine-and-a-half point favorites for the 49ers, 50-and-a-half for the Packers. Uh, didn't see that coming from, from the Packers, and my eyes are open, and I don't know what to do in that game. The thing that I would assume is going to hit or that I would bet on and I'm going to look at soon is just Christian, Christian McCaffrey usage. The – Cowboys went away from Tony Pollard, who didn't have a great year coming off of a fractured fibula, if I'm not mistaken, which kind of makes sense. But the Packers have been dreadful in terms of production and efficiency against running backs. And there's no more high volume efficient guy than Christian McCaffrey. I think that one is going to go McCaffrey style a little bit. And uh, I'm curious to see again. I think uh, Sheil Capita on Mina Kimes show from The Athletic said that he, he's like, I'm not going to take either one. I might take the points on both, but I do think that one of Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud will be playing in the conference championship. And I was like, I, I like, I'm, that's what that's the kind of thinking we like to have. You're like, I know I'm not going to take it, but one of it's going to happen. So um, I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about the Packers. Jordan Love's been incredible down the stretch. Their defense can get up a little bit, I guess. I mean, uh, that Cowboys team, I'm going to take the 49ers. I think I'm going to take the 49ers points in that one. Uh, initial thoughts. I think the Cowboys were just much more of a head case, emotional, piss down their leg thing than it ended up being anything else. And and they just can't get rid of that, and that's why we love them. Yeah, the C.D. Lamb-Dak dynamic early in the game was really weird, and I think that's what tanked them ultimately. Like, they're yelling at each other and, like, you know, try to, you know, trying to get him the ball. I know he gets going late, but I think that just kind of it threw the vibes off. I think he tried to force it to him on that first pick that he threw, and it was just curtains from there. I think that Shanahan and his buddy LaFleur, LaFleur. are going to have a nice little back and forth there in terms of, uh, especially trying to attack those those crossers, that intermediate area. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan fighting in some capacities there. They're, they're like family, pretty much. So I'm going to go 49ers in that one. Uh, the Sunday day game, we've got the Bucks and the Lions in the 
who's back bowl or the redemption bowl. One of those two guys is playing in the NFC championship. One of those two teams is playing in the NFC championship. I think it's got to be the Lions. I doubted them a little bit, but at home, under control, I think that the Lions can get it done. That team is playing with a little bit of spirituality behind them, it feels like, in that city. And watching how many grown men, and I'm not making fun of them, I'm, I'm happy for them. How many grown men cried in the crowd there? We talked about a little bit on the Jumbo set earlier this week, but I think the Lions have a little special something and and can go get it done going up and playing in that dome and it's loud and Baker Mayfield and, and you know, the, the lions are going to the Eagles versus the lions to me is, is the tale of two different teams in terms of one that is ramped up through the end of the season. The intensity is so high and they're kind of relishing in it. They're kind of, they kind of feel like the upside down Cowboys where they shouldn't have pressure, but they feel it still. They understand what that city and that team mean to their fans and where it's been. I think, I think they're, they're more they're they're more than the sum of their parts, and I think the Cowboys show themselves to be maybe a little bit less than the sum of their parts. Well said. So I'm gonna ride with the the favorites there. We've got the Lions minus six and a half. I'll go Bucks cover that. Lions played in a lot of close games this year. Yeah, they uh they they really do a good job putting up points early at home and no, the Lions, excuse me, the Bucks do have some players on the back end there. What they did so well, like I said, offensively, was just kind of spread the ball around a little bit. Um, man, I, I think for the Bucks to win, they need to get Rashad White the football a lot. I think that's going to be a key. I think that the Lions will be a little bit tighter on that back end. The Eagles were a shit show in terms of their secondary, and the Bucks are going to have to go on the road and be pretty tight in terms of communication there. And health-wise, I think those teams are – in a decent spot here, if I'm not mistaken. Let's look at the injury report for them. Just want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Chris Godwin, questionable. Shaq Barrett, questionable. Chase Edmonds, questionable. On the other side, it's Khalif Raymond. And that's it. So both teams pretty healthy there. Uh, I'm going to go with the home team in that one. I think that that Lions crowd is going to be going pretty bonkers. And we have here Rashad Wiseman kicking up, looking like a much better runner too. I agree. And that offensive line has been able to work downhill much better and go get those short yarded situations they struggled with early shout out to dave canales he's had an awesome year i think he's one of the most fun coaches that doesn't get quite enough love he was the uh he was the first name that came up for the ravens offensive coordinator uh last year and i, I remember a lot of people were a little concerned and i you know he and honestly he would have worked out just fine here i think he does a really good job marrying run and pass stuff and his passing concepts seem to be pretty uh sophisticated so definitely we have sterling here hammer mike evans I did a little bit last week. Um, Bucks were able to just know that the Eagles were so terrified of him and go against that. He has a little bit of production late. Ton of feel, like drops by the Bucks last week. It was kind of weird to watch. It was. It was a little wet there. Yeah. A little, a little slippery. Uh, <clears throat> he's got to get targets in one of these two games. I, I feel like the Lions can take an early lead, and then Mike Evans will get a ton of targets. So I'll, I'll go with yes on the hammer of Mike Evans there. Sure. Then finally, <laughs> the rematch of all rematches of all rematches of all rematches. These teams just keep meeting each other. The Buffalo Bills will host the Kansas City Chiefs, 12-6, and six, each team, division winners. So and this time in Buffalo. So excited for this game. This time in Buffalo, we will see the over-under 45-and-a-half. I wonder what the weather is supposed to be like there. I assume it's fine, I'm going to guess. Fine for Buffalo is relative. 
Sunday, we've got a high of 24. Yeah. So we've got two cold weather teams playing in the tundra. And I assume the wind will be kicking a little tiny bit. I, I want to see if I can try and find it here. Somebody did ask about the, the weather in the Ravens game. There will be winds of, I think, about 14 miles per hour with gusts up to 25. That can, yeah, that, that'll throw you for a little loop. 20 usually is where you start to see a decline in, in downfield passing really take place. Uh, so interesting all around there. Wind 12 miles an hour in Buffalo. So a very cold to our standard, but not to their standard and relatively light wind. So this game to me, logistically, and in terms of what I think makes the most sense for narratives and stuff. I know stuff. exactly where you're going, and I am going right with you. I think the Bills win. Oh, okay. Then in my head, logistically and everything schematically, it all points to the Bills, but I just got a feeling that the Chiefs are just going to get them again. Like, and it, wouldn't it be something if they would just go in there and just do it to them again? And, I've, you know, maybe it's a little bit like I'm picking chalk for the other three games. I've got the uh, the home teams winning. I feel like we see at least one upset, and I think it, if if any of them, that's the one that I would look at. And yeah, that, that, that would be that would be quite something for those Bill fans to have to go through. And really, all that I hope, all that I hope is that they just beat the living shit out of each other and they go to over double overtime and they just walk out of that game wounded animals to both of them. That's all I hope. I don't ask for much in life. Josh Allen has been annoying lately. We talked about that last episode. Uh, the Chiefs defense is the unit that I think determines this football game because Josh Allen has been playing on such a Cam Newton-like big, giant man rumbling downfield and ripping the ball over top. Just the way he's been playing is so – you like that word Adonis-like. I like Herculean. And To be swinging, he's in the prime of his life. And there goes my camera. Just giving you your little your little tip there. Yep, I'm still here. Thumbs up. So that unit, Legarius Sneed is one of the most underrated players in football. I think that playoff spags is underrated. I just feel like Josh Allen's on a war path. I think he's been able to get it done and can overcome a little bit more because he does have a little more balance offensively around him. But man, Pacheco, I'm looking at a lot too. And that is the war of attrition to watch as well. That Chiefs run game, that in interior offensive line that's so damn good with Tooney and with Humphrey and then Ed Oliver on the inside over there. Greg Russo's a disruptor against the run. All the, that, that That's going to be an absolute bloodbath. So people are just hoping that's a good game. Uh, my preseason prediction was that the Ravens play the Chiefs in the conference championship. I think I said whoever hosted that would win, but I think it, I thought it would be the Chiefs, which I had. So I thought the Ravens would lose to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. So looks like Miss Swift might be coming to Baltimore if the Ravens are able to take care of business here. Whew, that would be crazy overall. But man, I, I in terms of preference, if I'm the Ravens, I would rather I, I would I think Josh, I've said it for a month. I think Josh Allen's the one guy who can really break the Ravens defense structurally, and that's why I'm not so confident that Spagnolo is able to quite corral him enough because he is just bigger and stronger. Yeah. He just like, I I've been saying the last couple of weeks, he just creates pure chaos and it's hard to account for a lot of the stuff that he brings to the table on top of what he's doing in the passing game. Those two touchdown passes he threw to Knox and Kincaid. He really threaded the needle on both of them. It was impressive stuff. Uh, but again, I mean the Steelers, that, that's not as much of a serious test as the Chiefs are going to be. So I'm picking the Chiefs, uh, just kind of I think I'm I think I'm actually gonna flip flop. I think I'm gonna pick the Chiefs too. 
Yeah, just a gut feeling for me. I think, uh, you know, the, the cold weather is not going to affect them much. We saw that last week. And if anything, it might be a little bit of an equalizer. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm expecting a knockdown drag out fight. I think it's going to come down to the last possession. I got the Chiefs breaking their hearts again, but I could see it going the other way easily. The Bills have no linebackers. I forgot about Trell Bernard, or uh, I forgot about Dodson, the linebacker there. And I, I'll say this: if Travis Kelsey plays like shit again, then I think that can tip the scale just enough for the Bills to win. I don't think that will happen again. But man, the mortality of the Kelsey brothers amidst their their fame has hit like a sack of bricks. So. I'm curious to see what happens in that one. I'm going to go Chiefs. I'll, I'll, I'll just stick to my guns, too, overall. I'm going to go Chiefs. I think that they can take advantage of those linebackers. The Bills' defense at this point, Trey White, Von Miller's not what he was supposed to be. Matt Milano's not there. They lose Edmonds. That is a lot to overcome, and I think that the, the Chiefs to get back to the AFC Championship would be quite the, of course, moment. And that kind of, in my in my heart, I feel that way as well, so... I'll, I'll bet on playoffs bags to get it done. Kind of a little bit of a, like Colin Coward said about the Ravens. It's like, you got to prove me wrong. And Mahomes has proved, proves you're right. Josh Allen has proved you wrong so far in these playoffs and, and can't quite get it done, even though he has played really well in the playoffs. But yeah, I guess it's a little bit of a, a show me there. And then but I can bring us to our final prediction here. Ravens Texans again, nine and a half point favorites, 43 and a half for the total. Like I said, I'm looking at Isaiah Likely here, betting-wise. Uh, I really just want to see what Odell Beckham can conjure up in the playoffs. He's been, you know, Mark Andrews has literally been in the cryo chamber, but it feels like Odell Beckham has kind of been on ice most of this season. Most of this season, as we get our, our thumbsy-upsy. Your, your camera agrees with my statement. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with that. I got I to gotta get that figured out. But, yeah, I <laughs> – yeah. Continue. I'm sorry. You were in the middle. I feel good. But after talking this through, you know, I've had some nerves running through as a fan. And after talking through, you know, I, I was confident early in the week. I'm still confident. I think the Texans can, that they operate, like I said, they operate cleanly enough that they can be really competitive. Things are simple. Their offense works side to side. They throw over the linebacker's head. Nico Collins is really good. I just don't think they have the horses on either side of the football. They don't have that physical presence out in the run game necessarily uh, to, to go play a Ravens team that feels like uh, uh, to use the word mortality again, that knows their mortality and isn't going to uh, put that to waste or to haste or they've looked into the abyss. The Texans don't even know what the abyss is yet. And Hey, I mean, we talk about the Cowboys. I'll say it. If you don't get it done, you're looking a lot like the Cowboys of the AFC to continuously go to the playoffs and not get it done. Uh, you know, getting getting that first round by is a divisional win, is is a win to me. Not having to play in the wild card is a win. That is a W in the column to me. And Lamar Jackson, is, three and three in the playoffs. He said it here. Three and three in the playoffs. So I will say the Ravens win this one. 43 and a half is the total. I don't think, I think we'll see the Ravens cross the 20 point mark. I think they'll be able to score multiple touchdowns. I think scoring 30 would be a lot in the playoffs. I think playoff football is a little different. We think of that Steelers game as so lopsided and that the Bills just dominated them. The Bills put up 31 points. And, you know, the Cowboys, Packers, whatever happened with that, that was a fucking meltdown. 
I think that, like I said, I think that was more of a meltdown than beyond the white lines. I think that goes all the way up to, you know, our boy JJ there. But I think the Ravens put up around 25 points, 27 points, somewhere in that. I'll, I'll, I'll even it out with 26. I think the Texans are able to score. I would set the over-under on touchdowns for them at one and a half. I think we see Tucker kick at least one field goal. I think we see the Texans have to settle for they're not that great in the red zone. They might have a little bit of tricks up their sleeve there. They should look at what the Dolphins did early on in that Ravens game. Uh, When the Dolphins got blown out, the Dolphins were able to attack quickly over the middle. That's what you got to do if you're the Texans. I'm going to go Ravens 25, Texans 16. Interesting. Uh, it's tempting with the whole rest versus rust thing to say, oh yeah, you know, they'll get off to a little bit of a slow start. They'll ease their way into it and then they'll turn, turn on the gas. I think the Ravens get off to a fast start here. I think they have heard all the noise. I think they know the, uh, I think they know the narrative around them. I think they've been listening and I think they've been preparing in kind. I think they either get a stop. I don't know about a three and out, but I think they hold them scoreless. If they kick, I think if they receive, I think they go right down the field. They get off to a seven, nothing start. I expect a relatively competitive game. I think the Texans are going to be able to keep it close in the first half, but ultimately I think the Ravens quality will prevail. I have them winning this 27 to 18. There you have it, folks. The boys have spoken. I have now picked. That's true. JD, it would be the other crazy thing is that the Harbaugh is Jack Harbaugh, John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh. Every championship they won, they all scored 34 points. So if you see 34 is the number, that might be a little little sign from the football gods that the Ravens have atoned for whatever they have sinned. My mom here wants us to know the, the Ravens have been practicing in this weather. The Ravens are ready for the cold. I do think I'm not trying to piss off the football gods. I need CJ Stroud to show me he's not an indoor show pony, that this is not the ASPCA uh, dog competition. Westminster Dog Show. The Westminster Kennel. ASPCA dog show. I need you to show me you can beat me in the cold, in the wind a little bit there. Uh, I do want to see that. So 25 would be crazy uh, to that point. The Ravens did drop a hype video. Should we pop that on? Do you think they'll copyright ding us if we play that on here? Probably not. I mean, what, like, what is, is this is property of the Baltimore Ravens? Like, I, I don't know. That's weird. They might. They might ding us. Maybe. It's up to you. You guys can go check it out. Go check it out for yourselves. We'll, we'll, we'll watch it. We don't usually play their stuff on here. We're, we're, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a little stitious. I'm very stitious. I'm superstitious. So we haven't really been playing Ravens clips on here. We're going to keep that the same. Appreciate everyone so much. Thank you so much for watching. Again, this should be fun. This should be a party. Uh, Seamus said he got a playoff ticket here to donate to the cause if we're doing di- giveaways. The Ravens win, we might be doing a pretty big giveaway here. We've been talking about it with the other fellas too. So hopefully they do. Party, have fun, win or lose. If you're a fan of the Baltimore Ravens, these don't happen. I went up to Cincinnati. I drove seven hours to Cincinnati on a whim and went up there and watched Tyler Huntley fumble the ball on the one-yard line, and I had a great time. The Ravens lost, and it sucked, and it was a great time. So don't take these for granted. Do not take an organization that consistently puts you in the playoffs for granted as a fan. Party. Have fun. Embrace. Be happy. Smile. It's the fucking NFL playoffs. Wake up. Let's go. It's time. Yeah, it's absolutely if time. If not now, when, baby? If not now, when? Yep, we've been waiting four years. They, you know, the these home games, they don't come around very often. It's not easy to get them as a one-seed or a two-seed. It was 
pretty hard to get it, you know, as a three or four in that AFC North that we grew up watching too. So they don't come around too often. I've only been to one home playoff game. I realized recently uh, over the course of my time as a Ravens fan. So this will be my second. I'm very excited. I think you guys should be too. Whatever you're doing for the game, if you're going, if you're not, like he said, have some fun, crack a couple drinks, you know, smile a little bit, listen to your favorite pregame playlist, get some good food in Text you. Text your uncle and ask him what he thinks the score is going to be. Get everybody juiced up. Yeah, watch with your dad maybe, you know. Get, get you know, just get the connective tissue going, get the family vibes going, have some fun, and uh, hopefully we uh, we will them to a win. This is not just another week. This is not just another game. This is not the normal. This is not the ordinary the Ravens have a chance to host the AFC championship for the first time in franchise history. And don't approach this uh, and do not approach this as get there earlier, get to the stadium earlier, get to your friend's house earlier. Yeah. Pick and up more, get more food, get, get better, more food, cook something cool, have fun, make this a memory. Should and be. Don't, and do not approach it as I'll just go to the next one. Cause there might not be a next one, which there's a lesson. Don't do the time. Orioles. Do not yeah. do the Orioles. They're, they're, if you do, then there won't. That's the way it works, right? If you take that attitude to it, there won't be a next one. There's a life lesson in there for you, too. So that's all I got. My mom's here watching. She loves to say, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow, so you might as well have fun today. There you go. Not now when. Baltimore right. Ravens, Houston Texans, take care of business. It's time. John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, Roquan Smith. We're looking to you, to everyone that watched. We love you, and we're looking at you for all your support. We love you guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We put a lot of work into this one and hopefully you'll like subscribe, listen on YouTube, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube page. If you're not already, just uh, click on the icon at the bottom of the screen go ahead and click that subscribe button, hit the like on all our, all our videos, get some comments going, a little discussion. We love that. You can find us on social media at exit 52 podcast across Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I am at Jake Luke. That's L O U. Q-U-E, Spenny is at Ravens 4 Dummies. That's the number four. Ryan is at Barstool Banks. Taylor is at Taylor Smythe 10. Eric is at E-D-I-T-T-I 22. And uh, we'll be back on Saturday night. Win, lose, or draw. And a draw would be very weird. I, I don't know what circumstance that would be. I don't know if we'd be able to record if that happened, frankly. So probably just win or lose. We'll be there to break this one down right here on this YouTube page sometime after the game. So, Get fired up for that. Get fired up for the game. Let's have some fun with this thing. And uh, I think that's all we got. See ya. Arrivederci.